Nigeria is facing an epidemic. Thousands of people have escaped from correctional facilities in the country, also known as prisons, jails, or custodial centers, since 2010. And the problem only seems to be growing. An unprecedented number of jailbreaks has been witnessed in the past two years. In recent weeks, Nigeria's government has made moves to try to address the issue. And the country's interior minister made his demands to guards clear in a recent prison visit. Anyone who breaches security must not live to tell the tale. So what's behind Nigeria's spate of prison breaks? And what do those jailbreaks say about the state of Nigeria's prison system as a whole? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. To answer that question, we reached out to a colleague who's covered the issue. My name is Aramoy Bijuli, and I am the Africa editor at Al Jazeera English Online. Aromo spoke to us from Lagos, Nigeria, in the city's island district. Which is a bit more posh, bit upscale. But that's always with Lagos. There's always traffic everywhere. Even in your hallways. <laughs> Back in December, Aromo published a piece for Al Jazeera about the, quote, jailbreak epidemic hitting Nigeria's prisons. And he started off with a recent example. In November 2021, the... Unknown gunmen stormed a prison in Jos, which is a central Nigerian city, and they freed about 200, 250 inmates. The latest development in Plateau State, where the medium security custodial center in Jos today came under attack by gunmen who reportedly stormed the facility in large number. Now, the remarkable thing about this um, situation was that this was the second time within a year that this prison was being attacked. And um, this was just an atomization of a trend. Eromo used local media reports and data from officials to calculate the numbers. And he found that since 2010, more than 7,000 people have escaped Nigerian prisons. That's around 10% of the number of people kept in custody in prisons in Nigeria in total. And that trend became even more acute last year. That prison break Aromo mentioned from November is one of several that took place last year, all across the country. For example, in April of 2021, more than 1,800 people fled a prison in Oweri, a city in Nigeria's southeast. According to a police statement, explosives were used to blast the administrative block and enter the prison yard. Then in September, a couple hundred additional people escaped during an attack on a prison in the country's northeast. Gunmen blasted through the fence around the facility in Koji State, in the center of the country, on Sunday. About 50 prisoners stayed put, but security forces are still trying to round up the hundreds others who made a break for it. And hundreds more escaped in an attack on a facility in Oyo State in October. After an exchange of gunfire with prison officers, they freed over 800 inmates by force. At least 260 of those prisoners have been recaptured, but 575 are still missing. That's just a highlight reel of some of the most notorious jailbreaks in Nigeria in 2021. More than 5,000 people broke out over the course of one year alone. By comparison, the United States incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. In 2019, there were 1.4 million people held in U.S. state and federal prisons, 
around 20 times the number of people in Nigerian correctional facilities. During that time, only around 2,231 were reported as escaping or going away without leave. It's a more expansive definition of escaping, and it's still half of the number of people who fled in Nigeria in one year. So who's behind these jailbreaks? There is a range of potential actors, from incarcerated people themselves to organized armed groups. But there's one repeat offender Aromo keeps hearing about. I know that this is probably going to be hard to believe for someone who is not Nigerian, but unknown gunman. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a phrase that's been around since probably the 70s in Nigeria. Many of these perpetrators, nobody knows who they are. So unknown gunman has just been the phrase that the government, pundits, and journalists like us have used to refer to them. That's one. Another group is friends of the inmates. And I think that leads us to what is at the core of this piece, the fact that Nigeria has far more people in prison who have not been convicted than people who have been convicted. So they're people whose relatives, whose friends, in the case of those who are not innocent, whose fellow criminals want to break them out because they've been in there, there's no end in sight, and that's what happens. So I want to reiterate what Aromo just said. Right now, most people sitting in custody in Nigeria haven't been convicted of anything. Across the Nigerian prisons, there's 240 centers classified as um, high security, maximum, low security, and some of them called custodial centers. Across this 240 of them, there's give or take 70,000 plus prisoners. And I use prisoners in general term, including both suspects who, you know, they've been arrested for petty crimes, as basic as shoplifting, as a traffic offense. Um, And then there's also people who are actually convicted prisoners. But those convicted prisoners are a minority of the population held in custody. Around 50,000 of those 70,000 are simply waiting. There's a name for them in Nigerian pigeon balance, which is um, awaiting trial. It means that some of them have never gone to court. Some of them have gone to court, but because the Nigerian judiciary system is incredibly slow, the court system just keeps adjourning their cases. This is a well-documented problem in Nigeria. Pre-trial detention can last years, and because of the lags in the judicial system, Most states in Nigeria have prisons that are incarcerating far more people than they're meant to hold. The many thousands of people in this prison system, they are the ones who are collateral damage for the incompetence and all of the policy distortions and bureaucracy. You know, so it's just like they're the fish swimming in a really big pool (laughs) and everyone's digging in their fishiness and, you know, the habitat is disturbed. To hear more about this, I spoke with Dr. Uju Ugomo. She's the director of the Prisoners Rehabilitation and Welfare Action Group. She's been monitoring prison issues for years and was the special rapporteur on police and prisons for Nigeria's National Human Rights Commission. And that experience has given her an inside view into the conditions for people locked up in the country. I was visiting police stations unannounced, visiting prisons unannounced, looking at the conditions that the detainees were being kept. So that's actually 
started raising a lot of concerns because there is a way you will treat somebody and you will help change the trajectory of that person. Tomorrow, that same person who has been an offender will change and will no longer be an offender. And that affect is the humanity you give them, is the dignity in which you treat them, is how you respect their rights. Dr. Goma, how does overcrowding affect this wave of jailbreaks? What's the connection? You know, if you are in custody and they tell you that you have been sentenced, that you have 10 years or you have five years or you have three years, there is hope. Yeah. You are able to know every day, I am one day less than when I started knowing that I'm going to be here. But again, that's not the case for the large majority of people in Nigerian prisons. So again, the sense of hopelessness comes in, okay? But also anger is also another thing that comes in because there are some who are also innocent. There are some, yes, some are innocent. There are some who are minor offenders. They don't need to be kept in custody. The second factor that we must understand is the issue around the, the application of technology and devices that are supposed to strengthen security. CCTV cameras, body scanners, strong parameter words, and the rest of them. Dr. Ogomo says there's a lack of these kinds of security measures. In the last couple of years, the Nigerian government has passed legislation to provide more of these technologies to custodial centers, but they haven't been fully implemented. And then there's the location of some of these facilities in increasingly crowded urban areas. A lot of these facilities were built several years back. Now, people have encroached so much. If you go to Enugu Custodial Center, for example, the market is directly in front of it. If you go to Ikoyi, for example, Ikoyi Custodial Center, it is a miss of the heart of the town. So the tension in the yard becomes problematic whenever you have such a situation. And that tension can be overwhelming when people are held for years on end without trial. Dr. Ogomo remembers one example that ended up coming her way. She says his case dragged out partly because he couldn't afford to pay his lawyer. When our pro bono team got to interview him, he had indicated that he had stayed in custody for 16 years. So you can imagine how angry this can make a lot of people. Dr. Ogomo says that the sense of anger and helplessness, combined with the lack of security, can lend itself to a certain kind of calculus, one that makes escape seem promising. Even if you are someone who wants to escape or prone to escape, but you think that the security here is so tight that even if I, I try, I will be caught. You won't do it. So those are the internal factors that could drive a person in prison to escape. And then, Dr. Ogomo says, there are the external factors, like an outside group breaking into the prison. And don't forget the fact that the custodial centers are not excluded from the general environment. So if we are having uh, insurgencies, if we are having a lot of violence outside, it also makes the custodial centers also more susceptible to these issues. And, and once there's one that have happened and it's been successful and many of the people were not caught, it becomes an incentive to others. 
And that's why we must find ways of nipping this in the bud. There have been attempts to do just that. Nigeria issued a sweeping overhaul of its prison system just a couple of years ago. When the Nigerian Correctional Service Bill was signed into law by President Muhammad Buhari on 15th of August 2019, there were hopes of an improved prison system to reduce overcrowding and improve the infrastructure as well as security of the prisons. But critics say lots of the provisions from this law haven't been implemented. Some members of Nigeria's government are going another route to try to curb the problem. Nigeria's Minister of the Interior recently told prison guards to shoot to kill anyone who attempts to breach prison security, which of course is not that unusual because you see policies like that in the U.S. and all over the world. What did you think about that order, though? The problem cannot just be cured with this particular approach. Now, perhaps it is an approach that was meant to shock, was meant to scare Remember, there was a point I made that if you think by doing this, nothing will happen to you, you will do it. What deters people from crime is not so much of the seriousness of the sanction, but it's the certainty of the sanction. So if you are sure that, as a matter of fact, if you do try to escape, you will be caught, they won't do it. So I think that we need a more holistic approach to dealing with this issue. Why not try to improve the delivery of justice? speeding up the trial processes. Why don't we try to increase the use of technology in these facilities? Why not we try to ensure that we do not have overcrowding? So you've just given us a pretty good comprehensive list of what the government can and should do. Is there anything else that you would add to that list to stem the tide of these jailbreaks? Oh, yes, yes. I think the major thing is that we need to kind of engage and invest in the youth. We must take steps to prevent offending behaviors. We must take steps to ensure that we don't arbitrarily arrest people. There must be accountability. There must be checks and balances all through the process. That certainly will be helpful. What's the impact on the rest of Nigeria's population when people escape from prison? How does that affect larger security or insecurity issues in the country? That's very challenging. You know, it's it's a very dangerous thing to have. Yes, I said to you there are persons who are in custody who are innocent. I said to you there are persons who are minor, minor or petty offenders. But don't forget there are some who are serious, real serious offenders. So... By the time you have a process of pulling people out without necessarily checking their risks and needs, you are exposing the society. So it is indeed a challenge. It is indeed a challenge. And it's a challenge, our colleague Aromo says, without a clear solution in sight. There's a lot of talk and not a lot of doing. And so it's going to ensure that the status quo will remain the same. There's a Nigerian saying that when two elephants fight, it is the grass that suffers. So as politicians are fighting, prison officials are looking to make money, as COVID and other situations are cycling around, around the prisons and affecting the economy. So as all of these things are happening, inevitably the people who suffer the most are the people who are trapped in prison. And that's... The Take. 
This episode was produced by Nagin Oliai with Ruby Zaman, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Ney Alvarez, Priyanka Tilvey, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Elmilek is our engagement producer. And Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. We'll be back. <laughs>